On today's episode of the Wave Podcast, we have Orioles win a big series against the Red Sox. They decrease their magic number for both the AL East and their playoff berth. So we're talking about clinching. We're talking about upcoming series, particularly against the Rays, the big home series, including Adam Jones' retirement night. We're also talking about Felix Batista. He's playing catch. Apparently, it's getting to about 90 feet. He was playing catch today. Uh, so we're talking about what this could potentially mean for his uh, stretch run. Will he be back for October? Will he be able to help in our World Series push? Josh and I break that down. Also, John Means is back. John Means made his first appearance since April of 2022 before he got Tommy John surgery. So we're breaking down his first appearance back, his stat line, and what we thought on our first look at John Means in 2023. Moving away from baseball, we're talking football. The Ravens beat the Texans 25 to 9. Shout out Scorigami in week one of the NFL. We're recapping the game. We're talking about what we liked, what we didn't like, some guys that deserve love, some guys that need to be better in week two against the Bengals. And obviously, we're talking the injury bug that hit the Ravens. A bunch of key players got hurt this week, so we're breaking down what their absences will mean, including the season-long absence again for J.K. Dobbins. Speaking of game two against the Bengals this week, we are in Cincinnati, and Josh and I are previewing this game. I'm giving my keys to victory, and Josh is giving his insights on what we need to do to get out of Cincinnati with a dub. Lastly. We talk about some college football. Josh gives us his games to watch this week for college football week three. And to wrap it up, you know, I can't let you go without giving you some best bets for NFL week two. Loaded episode 70. Thank you all for coming back. Here we go. Episode 70. I can't I'm you. I can't Welcome back to the Wave Podcast. Today is Thursday, September 14th, 2023, episode 70. And I'm once again joined by my man, Josh Smith. Josh, what's going on, bro, bro? Not much, not much, Dante. Happy to be here as always. Uh, three weeks in a row feels pretty good. Uh, finally, happy that we got uh, football season underway. Ready to talk some Baltimore sports for with you. Amen, brother. Yeah, we're, uh, we're thrilled to have you. I, uh, you know, I, I feel like I say this every week, but I really can't thank you enough for for jumping on over the last few weeks and over the uh, the weeks to come as uh, as Scott's dealing with, you know, being an actual adult and whatnot. But uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I enjoy talking sports with you. I feel like you and I, I mentioned it uh, last week kind of in passing, like that's kind of how we became friends, just kind of shooting the shit about sports and really one of the catalysts that helped us maintain our friendship for so long. So yes, it's, it, it's always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure talking sports with you and, and week in week out. It's, it's been great over the last few weeks and I'm looking forward to it over the next uh, couple weeks and months that we're going to have you with us. So yeah, again, can't, can't thank you enough, bro. I'm thankful for you. Give me this platform. Allow me to join you guys. You know, this is your ship. Just happy to be a part of it for as long as I can be. Um, but yeah, Absolutely. You like, I, I was actually thinking, thinking about this the other day. We have kept up through sports, but another reason we became friends is because of Star Wars, which I like totally forgot about. Hell yeah. I, I actually think I saw Scott's story and I was like, wait, we all like Star Wars? Like, I forgot about that. Like, yep, sports and Star Wars is what helped this friendship maintain. <laughs> so. Oh, man. He, 100%. 100%. He is like super, super into Star Wars. He, 
Like I was like really into it growing up. It was always like one of my favorite things. And then when Scoot and I became friends, like him and like his, his brothers and all really got me into like all the deep lore stuff about star Wars. So yeah, that's uh, that's, that's a good point. Did you, did you happen to watch Ahsoka last night? Are you caught up? Dude. So I actually don't have Disney plus. I think I'm using my roommates, like boyfriends, like Disney plus. Okay. Like that. So I got to figure that out. Cause I do want to watch it. I, I need to watch the Mandalorian too. Honestly, I've been kind of following okay. time with the war stuff like that, but um another reason i need to watch, get it is because i know the new percy jackson series is coming up and that was like my favorite book series uh growing up okay i actually even reread the books like i think this year actually so um yeah i might need to get disney plus like you need to make that investment so uh we'll <laughs> see i'll definitely get on that if i can so for sure yeah for sure man i i will say disney disney plus is great just be, like i'm also a huge marvel guy too so like every now and then i'll go back and i'll throw on like one of the old mcu movies or like gotcha a couple of weeks ago, I did it with Revenge of the Sith. I was just kind of bored. There was nothing on TV. I threw Revenge of the Sith on, and I was like, "Yeah, this is great." So, so go ahead. You mentioned no, you good. You mentioned Revenge of the Sith, and this got me like this got me thinking of something I saw today. Have you ever heard a theory? Is like the scene after Mustafa, the whole battle on like Mustafar and stuff like that, where um yep. they're putting the helmet on Vader. Have you ever mm-hmm. heard him like yell "Padme, help!" like as the thing's closing? I have. I've so I've heard that theory. I don't know that I've ever been able to like make it out, but I've definitely seen people talk about that. I might, I think I might've made it out maybe faintly, but I'm not a hundred percent like sure if like, I just wanted, it was like fiction. I just wanted it to happen, but yeah. I, I just want to bring that up. Cause we mentioned, you mentioned revenge in the set. So yeah, I've, I've definitely heard people talk about that before. I'll have to go back and rewatch that scene and like try to listen for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely seeing people talk about that. But anyway, back to Ahsoka and even Mandalorian too. Like yeah. both of those series are absolutely incredible. And I will say like Mando season three, I thought was like not as good as the first two, but mm-hmm. still good for any Star Wars fan. You'll enjoy it. Um, okay. And then, yeah, Ahsoka, I think last night was uh, the fifth episode and there's going to be eight total in the season. And okay. it was like, it was such a love letter to like true blue Star Wars fans. I I was talking to like my buddies at the gym. I was talking to some of my friends in group chats and stuff today. It was just mind-blowingly phenomenal. So yeah. I, I definitely would recommend, even if you just use a friends, definitely watch those two series because they're really, really good. All right. Sounds good. I'll add it to the list for sure. <laughs> all right, bet. Uh all right. So let's go ahead and uh and talk some some sports, Josh. Let's so we talked a little bit about the Orioles last week. And uh as I was just telling you before we go ahead and or before we went ahead and jumped on here, um Really, the the most that I was gonna say about at least the the games upcoming for the Orioles is how big this Rays series is. Uh, the Orioles are currently playing the rubber match against uh, St. Louis. They're down one nothing in the sixth. So, uh, if we lose today, I believe our magic number will go to go back to four. I think. I know Tampa Bay lost early this afternoon. <clears throat> so if we win, I believe it'll go to either two or it'll stay at three. To, uh, to be to be fair, I'm not really sure how the whole magic number math works. Yeah. I just kind of blindly listen to whatever people say on Twitter, but whatever. Yeah. Um, but anyway, this Rays series is going to be massive. It's a four-game series. It's starting Thursday night. So if you're listening to this, it's starting tonight. The probable pitchers for the Orioles are going to be Kyle Bradish. Jack Flaherty, Grayson Rodriguez, and uh, Dean Kramer. So Bradish has been really solid all year. Jack Flaherty has been more down than up since he joined the Orioles. Grayson Rodriguez, obviously, we know about Grayson. He's been really finding himself since he came back up after his DFA. 
Yep. And then Dean Kramer, rocky couple starts his last times out, but for the most part, he's been solid all year. Um, I believe if we win just two of those four games, so if we just split the series, I'm I'm like 90% certain we'll lock up a playoff spot. And it'll really put us in a good spot for the turn of the last couple weeks of the season uh, to be to really have our our fate in our own hands as far as the division goes. Um, so I'm really looking forward to the series. And then <clears throat> on top of the actual baseball being played, Friday is uh, Adam Jones retirement night. I believe yep. Kevin Brown and, and Ben McDonald were just talking about it. It's already sold out. The yard's going to be absolutely packed. Uh, I'm going to try and make my way down there, see if I can find some tickets either either tomorrow or Friday day of. Yeah. Uh, but regardless, it's going to be a great game for any of our listeners that are going to be there. I think it's going to be as close to a playoff environment, if not mimicking a playoff environment that we've seen in, in Camden Yards. And I'm jealous of you if you're there and I'm not. But anyway, I that's the upcoming series. After that series, I believe we're on the road for a couple. We have Houston and Cleveland, I believe. Um, but anyway, that's... The, the the big one that I think everybody has circled is this weekend against uh, against Tampa starting on Thursday. Josh, I know you and I talked about it last week, but do you have anything to add about the series with the Rays coming in? Uh, not really. I think everything I said, I said last week about the series, um, especially with us, uh, you know, with everything going on, especially with Adam Jones coming back and us can pro- potentially like really clinching some really good things like a playoff spot and even getting like ahead of the, um, the LEs and really like putting a nail in the coffin. Well, hopefully the nail in the coffin, you know it. Yeah. yeah, I got gotcha. you. That's like, but um, with all that going on, I think it's going to be a really good series. And I think those come out on the top. I would be okay with the split series. Um, Same. 2-2, two, two, you know, that's going to be a, that's a tough series to do. Uh, but I would be okay with that. Um, I would prefer a 3-1 um, or sweep, the like dreamland scenario. But again, we'll see. Uh, I wish I was at the yard this weekend. Um a lot of stuff. I mean, this, it's going to be it's awesome. It's going to be a great time. I think this is going to be a great weekend for Maryland and Baltimore sports in general. So uh, I'm excited for it. I think Friday, Thursday really kicks off the weekend for us all. So let's see, let's go with it and see what happens. <laughs> One thousand percent. I could have said couldn't have said it better myself. Um, <clears throat> on top of the Orioles, Ravens also have a big game this week. We'll talk about that in a couple minutes here. Yeah. Um, but I one thing that I wanted to talk about in regards to the race series is. Uh, back in, when was that? I think the end of July, mm-hmm. we had either a three or a four game series against the Rays down in Tampa. And <clears throat> that's one series that I look back on and I point to it as like, not only were the, were the guys you could tell that they were playing hard and like mentally they were treating it like a playoff series. Like they, all of our guys, like our, our top starters really played, if not all four, I think three out of the four, like the, the guys that wanted are probably going to be in there come playoff time in the, in the lineup. I mean, were the guys that were getting the majority of the, of the pitches on the field during that series. So they were playing it like a uh, playoff series. Hyde was managing it like a playoff series. I think Batista pitched three out of the four games. Um, Cano pitched, I think in all four or something like that. He, you could tell that both him and Kevin cash on the other side, like they were both sitting there realizing as the series was going on, this is something that we're going to see in October. Yeah. So I'm really, really excited to see that again, just for the bare minimum of it'll be great baseball to watch. But also like, you know, we're a couple of weeks away from October. So we're going to finally get a chance to see these, both of these teams who are, I don't want to say getting hot at the right time, but playing decent ball heading into the, you know, the middle end of September, both of these teams 
sort of take their playoff approach as we get closer to the start of the playoffs. Um, I, I'm just really excited. As, as, as a baseball fan, period, I think it's going to be a phenomenal series. And obviously, as an Orioles fan, I mean, this is this is literally what we've been waiting since 2014 for. You know, like it, yeah, there, it just doesn't absolutely. get any better than this. No, not at all. It's nothing like October baseball. Every pitch is life or death. Uh, your throat's in your butt. It's just like <laughs> it's insane. It's a it's a fun time, but it's also like it's panic. It's one of the best playoff atmospheres in sports. I think that um you can get. I mean, any sports in playoffs pretty good. But I think like I think an MLB game is better than a playoff MLB game is better than a playoff NBA game by far. I agree. Um, you can make the argument is better and more intense than a playoff football game at times. Mm-hmm. The only sport I would say is like it's comparable to as far as like playoff is hockey. Um, I think playoff hockey is a different animal, but yeah, 1, playoff baseball percent. is sick. Um, I love it. And uh, there's some play Baltimore playoff baseball. We haven't had a whole lot of sample sizes of it recently, but um, <laughs> I mean, Academy Arts is rocking. It's a great venue to watch the game, and there's a huge buzz for it. And it's different from like a Ravens buzz, it's, but uh, it's a good time. It's a really good time. I'm excited for October baseball at Baltimore. Absolutely, bro. Absolutely. And and I think you said it last week, like as as much as we love our Ravens around here, I mean, Baltimore is a baseball town. And I mean, I, I was about to echo the same thing that you just said. Playoff hockey. I've never been in the building for a playoff hockey game, but I've watched plenty of playoff hockey and just like you could feel the energy through the TV screen. And yes. like I've had this longstanding take where I think baseball is one of the best sports to watch live. Yes. I prefer watching football at home. Baseball being there, I I think is better than watching at home. And when you put it up against other sports, like I love being in the building for a hockey game. I've been to a couple yeah. and I've never had a bad time at a hockey game. Basketball is is definitely better, I think, being there yeah. than than watching at home. But I think playoff baseball is an environment unlike anything else, especially in a city like Baltimore at a park like Camden Yards. So for for all of us to get a taste of that this weekend is going to be incredible. It is. And like I like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna try my darnest to get my ass there Friday night. But if not, all of you guys are our listeners that are gonna be there, just know that I'm jealous of you. Yeah. Um we gotta get Dante a ticket somehow. If you guys have an extra ticket, invite Dante, DM him or something. Get Dante to Canary Arts this <laughs> Friday for sure. Um, although SeatGeek might, uh, I can't remember if it's SeatGeek or whoever's partner up with them, but someone should have a good deal for, um, yeah, I, I was looking, I was looking on SeatGeek earlier this afternoon and I found some, and, uh, I was going to wait until maybe Friday, see if the prices came down a little bit, but honestly, I might just end up pulling the trigger regardless and going Friday. Even if, even if I just end up going myself, I'm sure I, I'll know people that are there and I'll meet up and have beers or whatever. Dude, hit up Kellum. I saw Kellum at the game Sunday. I'm sure he would be more than happy to go to order. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, he does have season tickets. I'll definitely have to hit him up. That's a good, that's a good call. That's a good call. I'm definitely going to do that. Um, Anyway, that's that. That was really it that I had on the race series. Like I, I can't say it enough. I think it's going to be an absolutely electric environment. Um, and mm-hmm. he, like not just Friday either. I think the entire weekend, Thursday through Sunday, I think it's going to be a great time. I, I um, do too. Yeah. And, and we talked about him a little bit last week, just to kind of transition away from you know the actual games being played. The one concern that I have entering this series, and really that I've had over the last three weeks for the rest of the season for a team that plays a lot of close games like the Orioles do not having Felix Batista, who I think is the best closer in major league baseball. It's definitely going to be harder. Um, and I kind of mentioned it a couple minutes ago. He was very instrumental in that, in that series back in July. Like I said, I think he pitched in all three or all four games, however many it was. 
So not having him for the series is definitely going to suck. However, there have been reports coming out the last couple of days. He's been playing catch. Uh, it started back up in Boston, I believe, on Friday or Saturday. Um, <clears throat> started out with some light throwing. And he's been, uh, from the reports that I've read, he's been progressing to extending how far he's thrown the ball. And there was a report today. I forget who tweeted it, uh, so I apologize. But there was a report today going around Ravens Twitter, or excuse me, Orioles Twitter, that said he got to about 90 feet and he was throwing 90 feet. Um I don't know if this means we'll see him again for the regular season or even the postseason for that matter. Um, <clears throat> but they confirmed that it's not a full UCL tear. It's just a, a, a strain or excuse me, a sprain, which a sprain, just a partial tear, just another word to say that, but yeah, just a sprain of the UCL, which I think is good. All things considered. And even if we do, even if there is a chance to see him in middle October, the middle of October, late October, like I think this is a really good sign because God willing, we do go on a run and yeah. we win a playoff series, then maybe he's like, you know what? Screw it. I got, I got six innings that I could give you. Right. And we're going to go until the wheels fall off. Yep. I just think this, seeing that he's actually throwing the ball, regardless of how hard he's throwing it, it's, it's an encouraging sign. It is. And I don't really see, um, I don't see him not, if he's able to throw, I think that he will. I don't see him really missing out or like, what are you going to say before you have the whole off season to get healthy and like, even if you miss the first month of next season, you're still in good shape. Um, mm-hmm. And plus, when you're when you have a World Series right in your grasp, we don't know how often we get this opportunity again. Um, although I do think our window is just opening up as a championship team. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see. Yeah, so I think you got to go for it, all gas, no brakes, and just ride it to the wheels fall off, like you said. Absolutely, yeah, and 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 I think Felix has that same mindset too. I really think you know you you mentioned it a few times last week it's this collective mindset that I feel like everybody in that clubhouse has. And I really do think that if it comes down to a push comes to shove, I think Felix will say, look, worst case scenario, it, it, you know, I pop it completely. I'm out all of next year, but like I said, go until the wheels fall off where I'm going to get, I'm going to get us as close to that world series or that next playoff series as I possibly can. And Mm -hmm. look, I'm I'm going down with the ship. I'm gonna I'm gonna do all that I can in the playoffs, get us where we need to be, or at least try. And if we win the World Series, great. I got a whole year next year to to sit with my World Series ring and ice my arm. Exactly. And even even if we don't win the World Series, you know, rehab, come back for 2026 because or excuse me, 2025, because I like you also think our, our championship window is just beginning to open up. If not, we're a little bit ahead of schedule. So oh, we're definitely ahead of schedule. I mean, Gunner, let me not Gunner Henderson, although he should be, he is going to be rookie of the year. Um, <laughs> for sure. If he's, if he's not, then I have questions. Um, I'm going to have to talk to somebody. Jackson, Holiday. Mm-hmm. He's in AAA already. I think, if I'm not mistaken, he got drafted last summer. Yep. Like, which is he was, insane to me. <laughs> he was the class of 2022. That's insane to me because I remember drafting him. Like, oh, it's still a while before he comes up. I even saw my dad's like, when do you think he comes up? He's like, oh, not till next year. Like, probably. Thinking, mm-hmm. oh, okay, yeah, that makes that makes total sense. He's in AAA in Norfolk right now. He's killing it. Um, oh yeah. So <laughs> it's only getting better. And then there's some other guys that I think we drafted like the past two years that are still we still have the number one like farm system in baseball. Yep. And we called up three, if not four, of our top prospects already, which is insane to me. So. I like what's going on down on the farm. I'm excited for this baseball team in this future, and I, I think we're just getting started. So, I yeah, for sure. I uh, so I have a I don't want to call him a source, 
but I'll call him a source. I have a source in the Orioles farm system, um, and he's been feeding me all this information about some of our guys. So Jackson, apparently, allegedly, was on track to be in double A, I think, around this time. Like they originally, like back May, like before the summer, they were shooting. They were like, all right, he's going to be in high A through the summer, maybe into the beginning of the fall. And then around end of August, beginning of September is when we'll look at how he's playing and take a take a, an evaluation of whether he's ready to move up. Like you said, he's in triple A already and he's making it look easy. Like it, he, he doesn't look phased at all, even a little bit. Not so I think I personally don't think he's going to be on the opening day roster. But at this point, I'm not going to rule it out for next season. Like I it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. But I don't think he, I, I don't think he will only because we're going to like we're going to sit for him right now. Right. And it, it would probably involve some departures in the offseason. Um, that's why I think he's more likely to be called up in May, like end of May, beginning of June, kind of similar to when Adley was called up last year. Yeah. But outside of Jackson Holiday, man, there are the, there are other guys that are killing it. So Samuel Basayo is one name that all Orioles fans need to familiarize themselves with. He's a 19-year-old catcher. I believe we signed him out of the Dominican Republic a year or two ago. He's 19 years old. He's 6'3", 6'4", about 215 pounds. He's got a ridiculous pop time. He puts balls out of – he's currently in Aberdeen right now. He puts balls out like it's nothing. I feel like he's hitting a home run every other night. And apparently, per my source, this dude is like – he has all the makings of an MLB catcher. I think he's currently like the 49th overall prospect in baseball. He's one of our top 10, I believe, organizationally. So we're going to we're going to see him climbing up the ranks pretty soon. Outside of him, I mean, uh the kid that we just drafted this year, Enrique Bradfield, he's already yeah. in he's already in high A uh Aberdeen and he's he's stealing like two bases every night. Every game they play. He's, is that to do for Vanderbilt? It is. Yeah, the center fielder. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. So apparently like the the comp the comp that I got for him is like when he gets on the bases it's like Mateo but better. Okay. The kid's fast. He's the fastest kid alive. So you there put him go. out in you put him out in center or left field with some of these other prospects that we got and I completely agree our our championship window is just beginning to open up and I think if we manage it the right way it could be pretty long standing. I I mean that involves paying guys, which you know some people in our organization may not be right. fond of. Um, <laughs> but I do think I think we're going to be okay. I I mean we have to pay these guys. It's not like we won't pay them, right? I think we'll get it figured out. I agree. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm excited for October though. I just got my Adley Rushman in jersey in uh, this week. Oh yeah. So I'm very excited for that. Um, I'll tell you a funny story real quick. So I posted it on my snap. I think you saw it. Like, just mm-hmm. I'm happy to go. Let's go for October. And a guy I used to work with who is a self-proclaimed Orioles fan. I air quote self-proclaimed Orioles fan. Right, right. Hits me up. He's like, bro, you don't even like baseball. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, buddy, what are you talking about? He goes like, you don't even like baseball. You didn't even watch this team. Like all this other stuff. I'm like, Okay, when we worked together, I Madison wasn't streaming anything in our right, area. Right. I couldn't watch. Also, we were god awful when we worked together. And like we showed signs of being good. Like we showed signs of being good, but it wasn't like yeah. you weren't right now. Also, I kept up with the team for the most part, other than like 
other than like actually sitting down and watching three hours a day, I did keep up with the team and knew most of the major things that were going on. So I found it funny that he was like, oh yeah, you're a bandwagon fan because like you weren't watching all 102 games. We were bad. I'm like, <laughs> I literally looked at my phone. I was like, this doesn't even deserve a response. and just like set it down. It was like, <laughs> that's so funny, man. Now that, now that we're good, these, yeah, now that we're good, the, these people are just coming out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Same dude also said he was a Ravens fan. Wasn't pro Lamar. So how much of a Ravens fan was he? Right. Was also anti, like, was anti, um, God, who's our defensive coordinator? Wink. He was anti-wink. Like, that, does, remember- that doesn't make sense. The, the anti-wink crowd a couple years ago, I was like, yo, you guys aren't even watching. Like, the, what you're saying doesn't make sense at all right now. Like, our defense was not bad. It was bend and don't break, but it wasn't bad. Did he dial up the blitz too much? You can make that argument. But it wasn't like – you weren't awful at defense. And I do think Mike – Right. I do think Mike is a great defensive coordinator. And in some ways, I don't want to say he's mm-hmm. an upgrade, but I think he fits our system a little bit better. But he was definitely not the worst fair. coordinator. When we got rid of a coordinator that day, that's not the one we thought we were going to get rid of. Let me put it that way. But, <laughs> right, right. I, I think all of all of Ravens fandom – was definitely in the same boat there. So um, yeah. Yeah. But that, just, that's, that's so funny, man. It, it, it's crazy. Like how much we've sucked over the last 20 years. Right. And then now all of a sudden, you know, some of these people get a taste and they just come out of the woodwork. Oh, you weren't there. No, yeah, you weren't, you weren't there. there. No, I, I, I lived in the city. <laughs> I, you're from Charlottesville. I lived in the city. <laughs> like I, I was there like, no, dude, you weren't there watching Brian Roberts and like Jay Gibbons and all those guys. Like, that's so funny. The same dude was probably same dude was probably like at the Nationals World Series parade. Uh, probably, dude. I don't know. I know he's a baseball guy, and I do want to give him some respect. He's a good. He's a good guy. He just gets a yeah, yeah. Um, but what happened? Oh, so this is how apparently he wasn't a real Ravens fan. Uh, Danny Boy sells the team in D.C. and um, is that? Oh, he caught that. Wow. Uh, Danny Boy sells the team in D.C. and I'm like. Okay, he's like, let's let's go Commanders. I'm like, wait, you were a Ravens fan like three months ago. What happened? He's like, no, nah, dude, I've always been a Commanders fan. I just hated Dan Schneider. I'm like, so you're the bandwagon <laughs> fan here in this situation. All right, that I was like, that actually makes a lot of sense. But anyway, I just thought it was funny that me of all people got called being a bandwagon fan for the Orioles of all teams. So I can I'll admit some teams maybe, but not not the bird. No birds from Baltimore. I'm a bandwagon fan for so. Anyway, we can move on. That was that's, just like a weird that's anecdote. That's pretty funny. That's pretty that funny. Um, all right, last thing on the Orioles before we go ahead and move on. I just wanted to shout out uh, John Means. Made his first start since yeah. uh, April 8th of 2022, coming off of Tommy John. Uh, Josh, I don't know if you got a chance to watch the game on Tuesday night, but I watched most of it, and I thought he pitched pretty well. Uh, he threw five innings, gave up five hits, three earned, no walks, and only one strikeout. Uh, you could tell that he was kind of shaking some rust off. Um, 75 pitches Orioles ended up losing the game five to two, but look, if, if you were to tell me that like, that was his stat line, no other information, like just that's his stat line first start in, I don't know, 17 months, whatever, 18 months off of TJ. I'll take that all day, every day, twice on Sunday. I thought he looked fine. I think once he gets his feet under him a little bit and he gets more acclimated to what's going on, Mm -hmm. he's definitely going to be able to help us out. Uh, in the pre or postseason stretch, um, but anyway, it was really good seeing him back out there. I thought he showed glimpses of the old John Means, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited for him to 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 be a part of this team come uh, come October. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch it, but I saw the stats, and like you said, I was like, okay, that's pretty good coming off of Tommy John. If we can get that, you know, consistently, like even just consistently, if we can just come in and just 
keep building upon that as we head into October. Yep. I like our chances a lot. As a Warriors fan, I'm always concerned about arms, especially heading into October. The more good arms we have, the better I feel. So whether it becomes in the starts, which would be great, or even comes off the bullpen even uh, in October, uh, which I don't think they will do, um, I'm happy with it. I can live with that every day. And I'm definitely happy to observe John Meese today with everyone else in Baltimore. So. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm definitely going to be retweeting that uh, that tweet every fifth day or sixth day, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's about all I had on the Orioles magic number. Like I said at the beginning, I believe it's three uh, to make the playoffs. And our AL East magic number right now, as it stands currently on Wednesday, is 15. Um, but hey, all that could change with uh, with the series with the Rays coming in. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. All right, Josh. That's it on baseball. Let's go ahead and move over to football. Move across, move across the, uh, move across the parking lots, cross three ninety five, and let's talk some Ravens. Let's do it. So, look, I'm going to say this just because I'm going to say it again, just because of how happy I am. Football is officially yeah. back. Week one is in the books. It yes. is. We are hit. We are off and running. It is football season, uh, and the Ravens started out with a win, just like we all expected. Um, not necessarily the best game I think any of us have seen but no. uh look a, a, a win is a win I'm never going to be upset about a win uh obviously they took down the Texans 25 to 9 was the final score yep scoregami uh, yeah that's right scoregami shout out um so some of the headlines from this game I thought the biggest one um on the offensive side of the ball at least was how rough our offensive line looked I was just I was shocked at how much pressure we were giving up and how little time Lamar had. Um, you know, when it comes to like the, the, the route concepts and some of the plays and executing them, it's a new offense. And a lot of these guys like Lamar and Odell, like Rashad Bateman, for the most part, they're getting their first exposure to it. So rust is just going to be natural. And I'm not really upset about that. Um, I, I was just more so really concerned about how frankly, how much bullying our offensive line took because, and, and like even the vets, like I, I saw Zeitler get blown up on a couple plays. I saw Stanley having some trouble on the outside. Morgan Moses gave up a sack or two or some pressures. It's, yeah. It's just L Lamar for the better part of the day, just didn't have any time whatsoever. And albeit it's the Texans and they added Will, Will Anderson. And I think they have some talent on the defensive end, but there, there are going to be better D lines and better defensive fronts that we see over the course of the season than Houston. So that's, that shit's got to get figured out. Yeah, it, it definitely does. I was at the game. So um, it was from our angle, we were in 529. So I got to see like kind of things kind of break down a little bit. And yeah, sure. the, the whole line was a concern. Uh, o line concern, everyone in the stadium, as far as at least the section I was sitting in. Um, Moses got beat pretty bad in the first drive. I think it was that second yeah. third down, if I remember correctly. Um Stanley got rushed back, which I you don't really see a whole lot, him backpedaling a whole lot. And even our Tyrion line didn't hold up as well as we thought it would. Um, and I'm not going to crush the O-line the whole night. Um, I'm going to give him actually some help this a little bit, but I'm going to talk about pass protection. It is a concern. Uh, one of the main concerns I had going into, like, leaving that, the stadium was the pass protection for Lamar and how, like, he's not getting a lot of time and how you want him to stay in the pocket and throw the ball down the field. All we talked about this, this all offseason is how Lamar's going to push the ball down the field, he's going to push the ball down the field. I definitely think he will, but he has to have time to do it. Uh, I think that was definitely one of the bigger takeaways as far as the gameplay of um, Sunday night. Um, will Anderson's really good at football. Just yeah, he's really, good at football. really, really fucking good at football. 
like at one point he hit one of our running backs so hard i heard it all the way up the like again the 500 seconds i was like oh like he is really good <laughs> so shout out him like just really good uh back to the the actual gameplay though i did want to highlight will anderson to see if again really good at football um the o-line uh forced that pick on lamar in the first drive granted i wish lamar would just tucked it in and taking a sack yeah i thought he had a couple of throws where he went cross cross field cross body i'm like i don't i don't love that but if it works it works it definitely worked in the past who am i tell lamar how to throw a football so <laughs> um but that one pick i thought you could just take a sack eight and three points drive down the field uh i think it would have been 60 70 yards to get a field goal would have been great in that situation but you know it happens the cornerback uh, made a really good play jumped around um and the pressure got to lamar um again it can't happen in the future um as we are talking about like the o-line i did want to compliment at least the run game for the most part run game was yes. pretty good especially with the new blocking scheme that i was privy to about you know an hour or two before the game new blocking scheme looks really good i think there was mm-hmm. one play i saw on twitter i think even retweeted where like the like, like there was just perfect blocking like the guards pulled got down the field pat ricard hit his block um Blocking scheme on the run game looks amazing, so I don't want to crush you all on too much because they did some things that really looked well. And the run game is pretty good against a decent run defense. Again, not the best, not the best at all. Definitely some work that needs to be done, but I thought J.K. had, Adamus had a great game before his injury. Um, yep. I thought Gus had a decent game. And I thought Justice Hill was a nice little addition and like did well. Yep. And I'm kind of, I want to see what he can do, especially, fortunately, now that I'm sure we're going to get to J.K. in a second. I don't want to like steal your thunder. Do you want to talk about J.K. real quick? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, J.K. looked amazing first drive. I was really excited to see him play, and then he scored that touchdown, um, caught the ball in the flat, uh, third and second, like third and goal, and just got rolled up on. Didn't even know he was. I didn't even know as he went out and during the game, and I saw Justice Hill get that touchdown. Like, wait, why not give it to J.K. There or either that or the two point conversion. My buddy Connor, um, who has season tickets in front of us, was like, yeah, he got hurt. I was like, oh, and then 15 minutes later, we got the sweets of like Achilles, and I was like, oh, jeez. Yeah. So I'm gutted for J.K. Um, just for what I've known, I know some people who know actually know him decently well. Just the nice oh, guy, I, in the world. like um, I definitely get that vibe from him. Like he he seems like such a genuine dude, like really really cool. Yeah. Like, one thing that you could tell about him is that he loves football. He does. So seeing him go through this, like I honestly like my heart breaks for the kid. Like you could tell how much he wanted to be out there. Jeff Z yeah. tweeted a picture before the game started. He was the first one out on the, out on the field warming up. Yeah, he was. Yeah, definitely. It just it, it sucks for him, man, because he really hasn't played a ton of football since he left Ohio State. And like I said, you could tell he loves football. So for him not being able to do that, like it's got to it's got to suck for him. And, and not only does he love football, he's a really good football player when healthy. Yeah, um, yeah, he's really like, good. He is like I know a lot of people don't remember Ray Rice now because 10 years ago when stuff that happened. But right. He has a lot of similarities to Ray Rice's game. I think Ray Rice was a little 100%. bit better catching the ball out of the backfield. But J.K. has that speed, has that pop, can really control a game and control a game. And the type of guy you want that can just grind out yards and kill some mm-hmm. pop. And also just power someone in and run, like run, run over and run his face, like bash his face in. Like he is that type of like bull El Toro type of running back where he will just knock you on your face. Um, so I really do hope he gets healthy. I don't know what the contract situation is going to look like. My gut tells me that the Ravens will do everything they can to take care of him as a person and yeah. as a running back. Um, and I only said because you've seen it before. Running backs get hurt. Like they stuck out with Gus during his injuries. Mm-hmm. They've stuck mm-hmm. out with they if they believe in you and they like take care of. I think they will. Um, 
find a place for you if you are come back healthy. So I, I hope JK just focuses on getting healthy. I hope he's still in a good like mental state. I know when athletes get hurt, it can be really rough for them. Um, and again, yeah. could have to a worse like dude. He this dude's amazing for what I know. Like yeah, a friend of mine. I'm trying to give too much information. Actually, I think I gave this information. I think she'll be able to share this. <laughs> a friend of mine used to do graphics for him back in like high school. So she's a huge oh, wow. Ohio State fan. I think they like DM'd him on Twitter or something like that. She's like, hey, I can do some graphics to edit some videos for you. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. And they built up sort of like a like a cordial, like working, like friendship relationship through that. Oh, shit. So, That's awesome. Yeah. Just like little stuff like that. Like he didn't have to do that for like, you know, a yeah. like Ohio State fan, like coming out of high school or I think she was a college at that point. But anyway, he didn't have to do that, but he was like, really chill like trust her work and they still maintain a decent like i think a decent friendship like throughout the years sure so, sure i remember um i remember it was the game during cincinnati when we were just killing him he had a good touchdown run i texted her like i love jk oh yeah yeah yeah. i just like i love jk so much he's such a good running back whatever she screenshot it <laughs> my text sent it to jk he said like a laughing emoji or whatever so like again just something stupid That's like awesome. that this is so funny to me but yeah he's um yeah, just I feel gutted for him. I hope wishing him best. I really do think that I oddly enough, I think that he could come back and still be like a contribute to a football team and be a really good running back. Um, for sure, for sure. I don't see it I don't see this being the end for JK's career. And I definitely don't see it being the end for JK's career in Baltimore. Um and also, unfortunately he wasn't the only one to get hurt. Obviously, when we talked about the Ravens and started season, uh, yeah. talk about injuries. Do you want to go down the list or yeah, I'll rattle them off. I just want to kind yeah. of put a bow on the whole JK thing. I I also agree. I don't think that his career in Baltimore necessarily is over definitively. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm with you, man. I would love to see the Ravens find a way to keep him around. I know, you know, the whole running back situation is what it is. And mm-hmm. not the right word, but running backs are getting close to being expendable just with production that they're finding in mid and late round draft picks and the value for you know, a high dollar running back just isn't what it used to be, unfortunately. And Scott and I have talked about this at length. Like we both are huge fans of the running back position. And obviously JK is a stud when he's healthy. So who knows? I, I would really like to see them maybe in the off season, get with him, make sure he's hundred percent healthy, ready to go, get him cleaned up and, and, and whatever. And then say, Hey, we will give you the opportunity here to prove yourself, whether it's, you know, a long-term extension with us, or you go and you earn a, a massive contract somewhere else. We'll give you a one-year prove-it deal worth whatever it is, $5 million, $6 million, and guarantee yeah. three and a half of it. And and then, like I said, maybe come back to the table at the end of the year and say, look, you balled out. We'll pay you. We want you here. Mm-hmm. Or you know, if his market is just more than we can afford at that position, we say, hey, thank you so much for your service. We're happy that you know you were part of our organization. Congratulations on the success you're going to have in the future. You know? Yeah. So I... I just really can't echo it enough. My heart breaks for JK. I wanted so badly for him to go and ball out this year because I really thought he was going to. I think he was primed for an absolutely stellar season. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's a shame that it has to go that way. But, uh, you know, injuries are part of the game. So uh, we'll talk about him now. JK obviously ruptured Achilles after the season. Wouldn't be a Ravens opener with, uh, or a Ravens early season game, I should say, without some injuries to uh, some key players. So Tyler Linderbaum was another one. He got an ankle injury. Um, yeah. He got he got rolled up on. It looked kind of nasty. It looked um, bad. It, it looked bad in the stadium. Like, we were very yeah, I, much concerned. I, I, I can imagine. I don't think they gave a, a, a true diagnosis, but I think everybody's kind of just assuming it's a high ankle sprain, which according to everybody on Twitter, those take from anywhere from three to six weeks. And then from there, it's just a pain tolerance thing. Um, yeah. 
he, he seems like a pretty tough dude, so I can see him managing the pain for as much as he can. Uh, mm-hmm. But he's looking at probably we're looking at probably, like I said, three to six weeks for Linderbaum to come back. Uh, Ronnie Stanley injured his knee. Um, I thought the silver lining to that was it wasn't his ankle, which I guess is a good thing. Yeah, um, I don't even remember when or how he got hurt. I just kind of saw him on the ground. And- I think he got rolled up on, too, or something along those lines. He got rolled up or stepped on, but something happened where it was similar to Lindenbaum. And our question okay. the same was, is it an ankle or is it a knee or what's going on? Right. They got hurt relatively close to each other off, I think, a run play or something like that. So Yeah, um, that, that sounds right. Um, but anyway, Ronnie Stanley, it's a knee. And again, no real true diagnosis. Uh, they said this with Linderbaum, but I think just because everybody's kind of assuming it's a high ankle, we have a, a more of a timeline on Linderbaum. But Harbaugh said he's week to week uh, and obviously doesn't look like he's going to play this week. So w- with Harbaugh, him saying week to week, who knows? That could mean two weeks. That could mean 10 weeks. We literally get Lamar Jackson. It can also mean the whole season. Uh, <laughs> right. And that's um, not a shot at Lamar. We just legit did not know. No, no definitely not. Well, Harbaugh, Harbaugh likes to do this when it comes to injuries. He's very like Belichick. And he, he, he holds his cards close to the vest. So like I said, knee or week to week, rather that could mean that could mean two weeks. That could yep. mean four months. We literally have no idea. Right. Um, and then the last one that was a really big blow, uh, Marcus Williams tore his pec, and he they didn't even say week to week. They just said out a while. Um, so you want to talk about ambiguity. <laughs> that, could li- yeah. that could mean three weeks, or that could mean we'll see you in January. Like, we literally don't know. The one thing that I thought was interesting with all of those guys, though, mm-hmm. outside of JK, obviously, none of them were put on IR. So obviously IR is you miss four weeks that was one of the 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 covid rule changes you go on ir it's no longer season ending you just have to miss the next four games i thought for certain that all three of them if not at least marcus williams was going to go on ir that way they don't take up a roster spot over the next four weeks we can kind of piecemeal it together and get the guys in certain spots that we want rather than just having them occupy that roster spot and be inactives on sundays this tells me that, and maybe this is just the optimist in me, maybe they're not as severe as we might have thought or that they might have looked. Marcus Williams, I know the reports on his pec were that he had full range of motion and he was just in some pain and it was really, really swollen. So I talked to uh, I talked to my buddy Chris Gherkin, who is an athletic trainer for, mm-hmm. uh, for Johns Hopkins, and he told me that basically what that means is it's probably somewhere in between a grade one and a grade two, which if it requires surgery could be anywhere from, you know, four or five weeks to eight to 10 weeks on the more severe side. Um, but if it was a, if it was a grade three, which is closer than a, to a rupture than an actual tear, mm-hmm. he's probably done for the season. So I don't know. I just, I thought it was really interesting that none of those three were put on IR. Maybe Harbaugh will do it towards the end of the week to kind of open up some spots or here or whatever. Um, but I don't know. I'm, I'm at least going to be hopeful if he doesn't do it before Sunday, because if he doesn't do it before Sunday, anything after that, it would just be prolonging that four game timeline. So I don't know. Like I said, maybe it's just the optimist in me, but I just thought that was kind of odd. No, that does make sense. Um, I don't know. I, I simply, I mean, I'm not a doctor, so I definitely don't know, but, um, <laughs> it is very hopeful though. Uh, I'm a, like you, I'm like you. I think that is hopeful. I thought Marcus Williams might have, I thought he was going to be out at least four to six weeks. Just my guess. Yeah. Off the back. 
I think Humphrey had that maybe last year, two years ago, and he was out for a while. Um, I think you're right. But did he come back that season as well, or was that the season where everyone got hurt? We just threw it away. I remember it happened late in the season against Pittsburgh. I can't remember if he came back to the end of the season or not. I think he was close, and we ended up missing the playoffs that year, so we got didn't it. end up coming back. Got it. But I, th- um, I think everybody was talking about, like, if we make the playoffs, he might be able to come back at some point. So, okay. yeah, it. I, I think you might, you're right there. You're right on. Yeah. Um, the, the, uh, I hate all these injuries, uh, excluding JK, because I do think that does make the biggest impact, regardless of what some random – angry emotional fans on Ravens Twitter might think who got mad at JK for wanting money, which is weird to me. Not yeah. to me that you're worried about whatever. Um, they're not even worth mentioning. I think, <laughs> I think the linen bomb injury hurts the most. Um, mm-hmm. right. They all suck. It's either the Marcus Williams or the linen ball industry. I'm going to go with the linen bomb industry because he's such a solid center on only his second year. Yeah. And, not only is he a solid center getting the ball to Lamar, he's solid at just blocking. And we've seen yep. what our Ravens team without a good center or good interior or good interior blocking looks like. Hundred percent. So I would be curious to see what a new center comes in and looks like and looks like, and him commanding the O line and communication and stuff like that. That one's the one I'm kind of like, I don't love it, especially with the pass protection looking really rough last game. Yeah. Um, I hate the Marcus Williams one, especially for the matchup this past weekend because it takes away a ball hawk opportunity. Um, yep against the Bengals, which I'm sure we're going to talk about soon. Um, but yeah, uh, wish all these guys speedy mm-hmm. recovery. I do think they'll be back sometime this season. Hopefully it's not going to be like a too crazy long time for any of them, though. I'll be less, I do expect Marcus Williams to be out the longest, though. I, I Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I think it, you're 100% right. I think Marcus Williams will probably be the biggest absence. Um, So I, I had this thought after the game on Sunday, once I kind of had a chance to like sit and think about it. I know we have Patrick McCarry, and I'm a huge Patrick McCarry fan. I think he's done exceptionally well in his role mm-hmm. over the last two to three seasons. Um, Patrick McCarry, if I'm not mistaken, originally was an interior offensive lineman. He was a center guard type guy. Yeah. Uh, and it just so happens that, you know, his arms are long enough and he's athletic enough to where he could play out on the outside. I part of me is kind of in the camp that I would rather him play center and him kind of be the commander of the offensive line. And then we find somebody else, whether it's Morgan Moses, whether it's Falele, whether it's, you know, we go out and we, we, we sign a guy to play on the left side to fill Stanley's void while he's out. I know it's probably unlikely and they probably want to use somebody who's, I don't want to say as surefire, but he's definitely the safer option to put Macari at left tackle. And then you kind of just find somebody else to play center. Um, but I'm with you. I think Linderbaum brings so much to the table, and he's he's strong, he's quick, he's athletic, he can move. I think losing that with some of the complexity of our run schemes is definitely going to – his presence is going to be felt. That's yeah. kind of why I was like, okay, I'd rather see Makari under, or as the center, and then we put somebody else on the left side. But it, it's, it's a lot harder doing it than actually saying we should move Morgan Moses from the right side to the left side. And then put somebody like Falele on the right side. I understand that. I'm just saying that's kind of where my head was at. Didn't Morgan Moses play the right side though before? Uh, I'm sorry, the left side before he played the right side here in Baltimore. Um, I don't know if he did. He might have played left tackle when he was with Washington, or maybe yeah. with the Jets. Um, I think he was. I think he was primarily a right tackle with the Jets, so it might have been with Washington. But yeah, I have to imagine somebody like that. He has some experience playing left tackle. And I mean, we we know Orlando Brown talked about it, about it a bunch. Like going back and forth, it's not as easy as one might think. Yeah, 
But all I'm saying is like, if it's possible, like if he can do it and be sufficient, not necessarily as good as Ronnie Stanley, but if he could just be sufficient, I wouldn't hate that. I wouldn't either. I, I like McCurry. Just, I think wherever the biggest need is you put McCurry at mm-hmm. only because he's really good. Like I remember he got his game and everybody was like, Oh, like that's not too, like it's a downgrade. I mean, that's right. not Ronnie Stanley. I know he's not a, he's not a downgrade, but he's not Ronnie Stanley. He's just, right. Oh, like you're not panicking. Like when like no offense, sure. but Philip was like playing guard or whatever. Um, I think Falele is a huge dude, and wherever he can just fit in, I think you just get him in there because he is such a big dude and stuff. Um, yeah, long arms, like huge body, just like I um yeah I'm kind of, I just want to get him in just to see where he could fit. Um, and we'll see what happens. Again, not the best week for these guys to go out, but you know. We will, <laughs> we will, we will see, and we will grow, and we'll see what happens. So, long for season. sure, still for, a long season. Def, definitely a long season. And look, just to kind of look on the bright side, it's better that these injuries are happening in week one versus week twelve. You know, yes, so absolutely. Get these guys healthy. Let's try to, you know, stop the bleeding over the next few weeks while we wait for them to get back, and then get hot before the end of the season. Yep. Uh, so before we go ahead and move away from last week, I did want to shout out some guys. Um, so we talked about the offense, uh, outside of the offensive line, Lamar necessarily didn't look great. He even said it himself on Twitter. He was like, you know, rusty as hell, but we got the win. Right. Um, there were some things that I, I liked out of him. He wasn't very reluctant to run the ball, which I've long said is a very crucial part to his game. I don't want to see him do it as much as he did it in 2019, but it's just something that he has to do because he's so damn good at it. And it opens up so much for our offense. So I was happy to see that he, he wasn't reluctant most of the time to pull the ball down and run. Um, like you brought up Gus. I thought Gus had a very good game once JK yep. unfortunately went out. Justice Hill, I'll albeit he only had eight carries for like nine yards. He had the two touchdowns, and I think this is a great opportunity for him to prove himself. You know, we signed him to a one year extension last year. Yeah. Um, I I think he's very talented. I'm a big Justice fan. <clears throat> yeah. So I'm excited to for sure. I'm ex- I'm really excited to see what he can bring to the table now in an elevated role. And you know, you, you talk about Munkin. I think this system is, is extremely friendly to a guy like Justice Hill. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a decent pass protector. You get him outside the tackles or outside the guards even, I think he can do a lot of really good stuff with the ball in his hands. Um, so I, I'm really excited to see him. Uh, one guy that did not disappoint in his Ravens debut, Mr. Zay Flowers. I mean, this kid, you want to talk about a potential problem. This kid has all the making of being a surefire problem at the receiver yes. position. Yeah, he had that, his stat line. Yeah. He had he had nine catches. He had seventy eight yards or seventy six. Yeah, seventy eight yards, and I think he had six ankles on the day. Yeah, that kid's gonna be really, really good. <laughs> He's gonna be really, really good. He's gonna be really, really good. I like how um, like how they gave him the ball early on, just trying to get him going, and they gave him the ball in space. Um, yes. Although we did see a lot of bubble screens. I kind of wish we kind of like, which is good. I think for the most part worked out. I think we kind of got two bubble screen happy early on. I mean, later on toward the game, but he made a lot of great plays. The first play where he just spins and takes the dude's ankles and just goes flying and like runs for first down. The crowd was electric. Uh, I definitely want to shout him out for sure. He did a great job. But my favorite play of him was actually that third down early on where he stops, finds a piece in the zone, and Lamar delivers a beautiful ball on the outside, yes. which I thought was a crazy throw. I was like, oh, crap, 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 because I saw the uh, corner, like, five yards, like, in front of Zay. 
Zay just sits perfectly and the ball comes to him, catches it, and, like, just a, a great play, a great route, great play. Way to sit in that zone and, like, have Lamar find you, pick it out. He had a really great game. I can't wait to see him get the ball in space. And I think that was one third down play where he could have had a touchdown because he was running, like, a good two yards that. down the field. And he had, like, at least five yards separation. Lamar, like, lets that thing fly, had him just go get it. That could have been six right there. Um Great game. I'm very excited to see what he can do. And also, since we talked about receivers, I want to shout out OBJ. Yes. Um, I noticed that she's not going to look like great with him, like having two or three catches. But he had an impact on the game. He drew two really good pass interference calls, which um, yes. helped extend drives that were where we, our offense is kind of stalling. He made a good catch again, I think a good catch in like the third quarter. And then the third and eight in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. Lamar just threw that ball up there and he just like perfectly just placed it and got it. So. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that was definitely one thing that I wanted to say. Everybody knows I'm a huge Odell fan. I, I couldn't be happier that he's here. Um, I, you, def, you hit the nail on the head. He, he didn't look as explosive or as quick as he has in years past. And I think that's part of that. You know, he hasn't played football in whatever. He's right. 500, 500 something days. Yeah. That'll come. He's just got to shake some rust off. Right. But one thing that he did not lose was his ball skills. And it, it was no more evident than it was on that third down when Lamar just kind of floated it up. It was a good pass. Lamar put it exactly yeah. where he oh, needed he, to be. Exactly where he needed to be. And OBJ just – and it looks so simple for him, too. It's like he just – oh, yes. yeah, leaned his shoulder back, caught it with both his hands, hauled in, and just an amazing play. And the crowd was – anytime OBJ touched the ball, the crowd was, like, yes, insane. That, and I'm that was like one thing. ovation. Yes, that was one thing that I picked up when I was sitting watching it in, in my buddy's living room. After his first catch. Wasn't anything crazy. I think it was, like, maybe, like, yeah. a four- or five-yard pickup. You like yeah. he had he had that like war cry where he just kind of like screamed and and pounded his chest and everyone I mean you could hear it through the TV everybody was shouting OBJ 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 like yeah I think he is he he feeds off of that and you could tell how emotional he was to be back out there and yeah. I, I'm with you the the two pass interferences he only had what two or three catches but regardless like his presence is absolutely felt in this offense. And I think that's only yeah. going to get better over the course of the season. Um, but yeah, also, I'm, I'm glad you brought best, him up. They had their best corner on him. I didn't realize Stanley Jr. was on until the third or fourth quarter. So you can think oh, OBJ wow. is having a quiet game. You could, yeah, you can think that OBJ is having a quiet game. They have their best corner on uh, like a 30 year old receiver. <laughs> like <laughs> that's gonna, but that's gonna like we, we're laughing about that. But like that's just the presence of OBJ, For and sure. it's taking guys away from Zay Flowers, Bateman. Um, Aguilar. I'm sure there's another receiver that I'm forgetting. About. Oh, Mark Andrews didn't even play. That's yep. going to be a huge, like, <laughs> that's going to be a, a huge help for him uh, when he gets back. Um, it's just, it's a good sign. People may say we overpaid and all this other stuff. You secure Lamar and you've got a receiver that knows how to win and knows what to do. It keeps the room light. He's the type of guy you want in your locker room and he's going to contribute to his team in a positive way. And I think the catches and like all the yards and stuff like that will come. Um, the one bone to pick I have to do is about the crowd is that uh, Baltimore gets smarter as the sports fan base. I, I know that you're excited that OBJ caught a third down pass and you want to chant his name, but shut the F up when the offense is in the red zone and you <laughs> need to communicate. Like, Jesus, man. Like, and I get it. And I get it. You're excited and you're happy and you're about eight beers in at that point in the game. But like, guys, we're in the red zone. Shut up and got to communicate. Like, cheer when we score. 
like that's when you can like let it out and only on defense. But like, <laughs> hey man, it was week one. Nerd sided, you know. I I know, and I know, and like I cheered a little bit too. But when I'm like, all right, guys, like after the first like ten seconds, let's like let's let them get to play in and everything. So I, again, that's I know funny. people excited. That's me being nitpicky and like a insane fan. So that's funny. Yeah, definitely happy uh, to have Jay back out there. For sure, for sure. Uh, so go ahead and, or excuse me, before we go ahead and move away from this game, last thing that I just wanted to to, to talk about. Um, I know it was against the Texans. I know it was against a rookie quarterback and a banged up O line, mm-hmm. but I was really, really impressed with our defense, Josh. I thought uh, Roquan and Patrick Queen, obviously, they were unreal. Yes. They were flying around the field, both of them. It felt like whenever somebody touched the ball, one of them, if not both of them, was there. They combined for 27 tackles and two sacks. Um, Roquan, you could tell that, like, he was commanding that defense, like wearing the green dot. Yeah. He was all over the place, man. And he like it, it, seeing some of the clips of him mic'd up, like you could tell like he was taking it personal. He was like, this is, this is my defense. This is my team. And we're like, we're not going to let anybody come down on us. So I was really, really excited to see them. Uh, those two work together and work so well together. Patrick queen, that sack that he had on that fourth down that he blew up, I thought was such, such a, a great huge, play, such, such a, a great play. play. Um, I got to give some love to Brandon Stevens. Uh, he, oh my God, was, he laid the wood. He, he, him, and Ardarius Washington was another one. Both of them, it felt like all day they were coming with bad intentions, man. Like they, they wanted to hit you and make you feel it. Which, shout out to our guy uh, Ravens for Dummies on Twitter, Spencer. He said it, and I completely agree. It's the first time that we've really had hitters at all over the defense. And uh, I think if these if these guys start playing like that and they start vibing off of one another and and that that kind of bully ball attitude is back with this defense. I, I, like Mitch said a couple weeks ago, I think our defense could be really, really nasty. Um, I did too. I did too. Um, and then, and then yeah. last two guys I wanted to shout out on the front, Ojabo and uh, Adafe Owe, I thought played a great game. Ojabo had the strip sack. And while yep. he didn't get home, uh, I thought Adafe Owe was all, he was causing problems. He got, he got, I think the number was like four or five quarterback pressures. Yeah. He, he blew up one big third down play uh, and made Stroud, I think either take a sack or throw it away. Um, I was really impressed with what I saw from Adafi Owe. I, I know he didn't get home. I know he didn't have a sack, but he was creating pressure. He was wrecking the offensive line, which is exactly what we want to see from him this year. And I wanted to show him love. I thought he had a really good game. I was really impressed with what I saw from him. Yeah, defense as a whole played really impressive. Anything I would say would be nitpicky. Um, I thought even shout out Javian Clowney. He had a decent game. I yes. wish he would have converted on that sack. I really do. Oh, me too. Um, but he had a good game. Uh, oh, I had a decent game again. I want him to get home so bad, but he had a QB pressure. <laughs> I, anything I say about like, I, I think he's good. I, I'm not worried. Um, yet I just think that there are going to be games where he has to get home. But I think next week is a game where he has to get home, not just pressure the QB, but Agreed. I don't want to take away from him. He had a very good game and a very good performance. Uh, Ojibabo is the real deal. I, I, I think he's just good. Um, I don't really think there's anything about it. I think he's just going to be a really good player for us, and I think that was a steal of the draft, um, getting him in the second round when we did. Um, and you mentioned Roquan and Patrick Queen and Stevens. All those guys were just flying around the field, hitting people. Um, great game by them. Um, I love Roquan's leadership. I love Queen's speed and his athleticism and how he's fit into the role, especially with Roquan there. Um, obviously, has something to prove in the contract year. And I thought Stevens did a pretty good job in the secondary. I thought our secondary had a pretty decent game for the most part. Um, yeah, I agree. CJ Stroud did pick apart the zone a little bit, but I think any quarterback's going to pick apart the zone if you give him enough time. Especially um, without but, Marlon Humphrey, too. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so they made some nice plays. I'm not too worried uh, going throughout the season. So, yeah. Uh, shout out to defense. No touchdowns given up. Um, mm-hmm. They've been basically lights out for like the last six regular season games and such. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so shout out to defense. They've been doing well. Hope they can keep the momentum going. Yeah, defense was balling. Uh, all right, Josh, that's all I had on uh, week one. Before we go ahead and move on to week two, do you have anything else before we uh, talk no, about the Bengals game? I'm, I am so ready to talk about week two. Let's let's just get into it. Let's do it. Uh, so week two, obviously, we are traveling to Cincinnati. Uh, the Bengals are a three and a half point favorite. Last time I checked over or under is 46 and a half with the juice on the under. Uh, let's start with injuries. Um, we mentioned the Ravens injuries, obviously, Marcus Williams, Ronnie Stanley, Tyler Linderbaum, and of course, J.K. Dobbins. Two potential could plays this week. Uh, Mark Andrews, who I think they're hopeful will be out there, which I think will be huge, uh, not just from a pass-catching perspective. I think also from a blocking perspective. Without Ronnie yes. Stanley, without Tyler Linderbaum, Mark Andrews doesn't get enough credit just in general for his ability to block as a tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's very, very good at it. I think he's just as good as Kelsey and Kittle. Yep. Having him out there with those guys injured will be a massive, massive help to the offensive line. Uh, and obviously we know he, what he can do in the past game. Marlon Humphrey, I would say is probably less likely to play just because he didn't practice, uh, on Wednesday. Mark Andrews was a limited participant, um, which he was last week and obviously didn't play, but I think that was just because they wanted him to be right for this week. Marlon Humphrey, I think is a guy that on, you know, a walkthrough and one practice or on two light practices could just be like, all right, I'm good to go. Yep. But I could also them with, you know, feet injuries, they have a tendency to linger. So they could say, hey, you know, you haven't really got a whole lot of runs since your surgery. Like, let's just let's not rush you. Let's make sure you're OK. We're going to see these guys again later on in the season. Make, make sure you're good for that game. And, you know, not force them to be out there. But anyway, those are our injuries. The Bengals, uh, of course are not injured at all. They have all their guys. I think they had yep. one person who I have never heard of on their injury report today. Um, but that, that's really, as Ravens fans, that's what we've come to expect when it comes to Ravens-Bengals games over the last couple of years. Yeah, that we're playing with plumbers and, you know, our third and fourth string <laughs> secondary. Meanwhile, they got the greatest show on turf with Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. And <laughs> yeah, real. Macaulay Culkin at quarterback. Yeah, it's so frustrating. <laughs> Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. I'm not a fan of this team. Um, I, I really want to win this game someday. But, yes, uh, secondary, uh, are we just going to get into game analysis or yeah. want to just jump right into it? Okay. Um, yeah, secondary has to show out. Yeah, yeah, we might as well. Simple as that. Yeah. Secondary has to show out. Simple as that. I know that we're injured. I know Humphrey and Williams are gone. and That's two of your biggest weapons. I do like Kyle Hamilton back there. I thought he had a decent game. Um, Me too. Sunday as well. Had a really good tackle. I was actually where he got hurt. But, yeah. He's looking the commanders back end of the defense. Um, listen, this is probably the toughest receiving matchup you're going to see all year outside of the Dolphins, maybe. And you see them twice a year in your division. They're in yep. your division. They owned the division last year, too. And you know this team. And you don't like this team. Um, we know about the guys that they have. Uh, Burrow, quarterback, Chase, and all those guys. And a familiar face in uh, Orlando Brown Jr. At the o- as the O-lineman. Um, yep. And yeah, I mean, you just got a ball out. Um, I think the key, and also let's talk about Cincinnati had a rough week last week. They got just killed. They looked terrible, just rusty. I don't even, I don't even know what happened. They yes. looked awful. 
I do not expect to have that to happen twice. I expect to be on fire, coming out, like all guns are blazing with something to prove. So if you want to win this game, you're going to hear me say the same thing I said last week. You've got to get home. You've got to make mm-hmm. their receivers. You've got to make Joe Burrow uncomfortable. He has to be on his back a lot. Like, yes. A lot. Not just pressuring him because that dude's like cool as a cucumber back there and just does not get rattled. But you got to hit him hard. Like you have to break him. Not injury. Just like break. You have to break his will somehow. Yeah, of course. Um, You got to jam the receivers up the line and throw off their timing and such. Um. The number that's been sticking out in my head is 24. If you can hold that team to 24 points, I think we win that game. If you hold them to under 20, I guarantee we win that game. What you do not want to do is get into a shootout against that Bengals team because they just have they have the weapons. Um, they're not going to lose a shootout. They're not going to lose a shootout. They have the weapons, and they can make enough defensive plays to keep you out of it and keep your offense just flustered. And honestly, I think what you got to do is you got to get ahead early. You got to drain some clock, and you got to like play bully ball with them. That team is soft. Like that yes. team is soft, and that coach is soft. And you will never hear me call a team or coach like this. They no, I, I, I one hundred percent agree. I, I honestly that, think Zach Taylor only got a job because he was buddy buddy with Sean uh, McVay for so long, and he was basically like, "Oh, I can run the same offense that Sean runs." And then obviously he gets Joe Burrow, and he gets Jamar Chase, and T. Yeah. Higgins, and he gets guys. And credit to them for drafting well. But I completely agree, man. I absolutely not think that is that they are a soft team. And we I think there's no better example than after last time when we played them in Cincinnati, they were complaining about Roquan hitting yeah. people too hard. Like, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I thought we played football, dude. Yeah, that team's like that team is soft as far as like them. That's not an AFC North team. Like they no. are not built to be an AFC North team. They will to be a good NFL team. Obviously, the Winston Conference Championships and such. But they are not a tough team like that team can easily get bullied and i'm talking easily get bullied they do have some which is crazy because they have some decent guys on defense with uh hubbard and um oh crap who's the other white guy um <laughs> trey hendrickson yeah hendrickson thank you um <laughs> we're good players but that team especially on the offensive side soft dude i think if they get rattled if they if they get one good hit coming across the middle they, they might fold especially t higgins i don't know why i just think he's just like I think he's you gotta make him the example, dude. You gotta if he comes across the middle, you gotta lay him out, like break his soul. Um oddly enough, I think this team's the team to do it. I think this team is the team to really like really get after them, hit them. I don't know if we win Sunday. I'm just gonna be honest with you. I just don't know if our office is gonna click super well. Um, I don't know if we're gonna make it a shootout, if it's gonna be a muck it up ugly game. And I don't trust them to win ugly. I do trust them to be able to come back though. We can mm-hmm. take control of this game early and run the ball and just grind it out. We win this game. I don't want to say easily, but we can win this game. If it's a shootout, then that's where it's going to get in trouble. We're going to get in trouble. Um, but I, I like our chances. You just got to bully them. I don't think they, I don't think they can stand it. I, you want to know what the funniest thing is? I think the toughest person on that team is Joe. Like I hate to say it because I, I hate him that much. So I'll, I'll go one further. I, I first of all, I completely agree, and. If Joe was on any other team outside of the Bengals, the Steelers or the Browns, or maybe the Patriots, the Patriots, I would like him. Like, I think he's, he's very likable. He's obviously incredible. And I think he's great for the game of football as far as like being one of the faces of the sport, but because he's on the Bengals and because of how annoying the Bengals fan base is and how loud the Bengals players have been over the last couple of years, I just hate him. And I have oh, to I hate, hate him as so a Ravens much. fan. And I'll hate him with no second thought. No problem. 
but I completely agree. I think he's absolutely the toughest person on that team. I think, and I'll get into it with my keys to victory here in a second. I think the former toughest player on that team is no longer on that team. And their his loss or his absence, I should say, is going to be a bigger deal this season than people are making it out to be. I'm talking about Jesse Bates. Okay. He was the heart and soul of that defense. He was so, so valuable and nobody talked about him. He is such a good player. He held out last season. He wasn't going to come in. They franchise tagged him. They ended up signing him for the one year and mm-hmm. he walked this off season. He's currently in Atlanta. He signed a big money deal in Atlanta that he absolutely deserved because he's a fucking stud. Yeah. Nobody this off season talked about losing him and their other starting safety, Von Bell. And instead they're starting yeah. two young dudes. I think that's going to be a big deal. If it's not, it may not be a huge deal this game, but in terms of the Bengals culture and overall status this season, I yeah. definitely think it's going to be a bigger deal than people made it out to be this off season. But yeah, long, short, I 100% agree with you. I think Joe is without question, the toughest motherfucker on that team. He is. Um, and you, I don't think you can have your quarterback be the toughest dude on the team. That's just <laughs> like, I don't call me crazy, call me old school, but if your quarterback's the toughest student in your team, that's a problem. No one in your defense is that tough. Like, no one, even like, I don't know, just everything about them, even their fan base just screams soft to me. And this could be just yes. a lot of like, a lot of just like hatred towards Cincinnati and the Bengals fans, and especially them being a lot really vocal over the past couple of years. But like, it, that's just, so, I don't, okay. Can I ask a question? Is Zach Taylor actually a, a good coach? Like, I don't think he is. I, I tr- are we allowed to right ask hand, that question? Right hand to God, I don't think he is. I really don't. I think he's. I think he's just blessed with great players. And granted, you have to do like if you have great players, you have to. He's done the most with great players. Sure, sure. So and uh, he's done. He's done the most with what he's had. So I can't knock him for that. But I remember a time they were ready to run him out of town, like after his first year when Joe Burrow got hurt. They were yes. ready to like yes. be like, okay, this dude's gone. And then they said, let's give him a year and then see what happens and making it to the Super Bowl. Um, but just that team's soft, dude. And I know I keep repeating it and I'm sounding like a broken record. I I I want to beat this team so bad. Like you do Me not too. realize how much I want to beat this team. Like every most Bengal fans I know are like, no, I know a handful, and I do mean like maybe two or three cool Bengals fans, maybe two or three. Um, rest of them all go kick rocks in Kentucky or whatever the heck that they live. Dude. Like, so I'm gonna move into my keys to victory for this week. Yeah, as, go for it. Go for it. You you sort of touched on yours there a little bit. So I have three big ones, three big points of emphasis that we need to focus on if we're gonna win this game on Saturday, uh, Sunday. Um, the first one kind of goes hand in hand with something that I mentioned earlier. We have to keep Lamar upright. We have to keep Lamar clean because, like I said, with no Jesse Bates, with no Von Bell. I think the secondary is capable of being exposed. And when I say exposed, I'm not expecting Lamar to go out there and light, light them up for 400 yards and five touchdowns. What I mean is I think Lamar can pick his spots and, and Munkin can pick their spots. And as long as he has time in the pocket, I think he's going to have a lot of opportunities to find holes in zones and to find mismatches on man-to-man coverage that will allow us to move the ball and maybe have some of those explosive plays that we were waiting for last week, but we didn't get to see one because obviously Lamar had no time, but also two, I think, I think Lamar was, or excuse me, not Lamar. I think Munkin was kind of keeping some stuff in the vault a little bit. I don't think he wanted to put too much on tape for this week upcoming. That's why on that third down, uh, like kind of 
close to the red zone when we could have taken a shot to the end zone. We just kind of dumped off a, a bubble screen to Zay for the second play in a row. I think Munkin probably could have taken a shot there. And frankly, I think he wanted to, but I think he was like, Hey, let's not show them any of our concepts. Let's just, you know, take the three, get out of here with our win. And long story short, if Lamar stays upright, I think there, there are definitely going to be some spots where he can nickel and dime us down the field and, and make some, make some plays. My second key to victory for the Bengals game coming up, Josh, you, you hit the nail on the head. I'm going to echo it again. We have to fuck Joe Burrow's day up. We have to make it an absolutely miserable Sunday afternoon for him. We have to get in his face. Not only do we have to get in his face, we have to get him on the ground. We have to get home. We have to get sacks. We have to get pressure. Familiar face. You mentioned it. Familiar face on that left side, Orlando Brown. We know him. We know him very well. We've had success against him when we've played against him when he was in Kansas City. We know how good he can be or not good. He can be on the left side. I, I've long said it. I think he's a better right tackle than a left tackle. I'm never going to fault him for wanting to get his money and wanting to play left tackle and honor his father. Never going to fault him for that. I just think he was a much better right tackle than a left tackle. With that said, mainly Adafe Owe, but David Ojabo, Jadavian Clowney, Matt BK, Michael Pierce, all these guys, they have to get Joe Burrow on the ground. Adafe Owe, like I said, he, he had a really good game on Sunday against the Texans. He was getting mm-hmm. pressure. He was blowing up plays. He has a chance this game to send a message and set the tone for the season that he's going to have. I'm sure he hears all the talk, right? I even said it a couple weeks ago. I got to see something from him uh, this season. He's got a great opportunity to send a message both to the fan base, to the defense, and to the other teams that he's going to see for the rest of the year. He's got to get Joe Burrow on the ground. Yep. My last key to victory for the Ravens this week is we have to limit the big play. Yep. We have to limit the big play. We've seen what this offense can do, particularly against us. I think the first time... Jamar Chase played against us in MT Bank. He went for like 200 yards on Marlon. Yeah, dude, that was rough. That was a rough one. That's who, that was his coming out party. He, it he was. definitely, definitely I was, gave us I, a run for our money. I was at that game, and it was miserable. So we have to limit the big plays. T. Higgins yeah. didn't have a catch last week against the Browns, I believe. Jamar Chase had four catches for 33 yards. Like I said, we know what they can do. We've seen what Joe Burrow and these receivers can do. We have to keep the receivers in front and not give up the shot play. If we can keep their explosive plays, which I think is technically like 20 yards or more. Yeah. If we can keep their explosive play count under, I'll say two or three. I I'm just going to, I'm just conceding that they're going to get one or two here and there just because of that's how good they are. Yeah. If we can, if we can keep their big play number under that two or three mark, like you said, and I think that goes hand in hand with keeping them under 24 points. Yeah. I think we put ourselves in the best position to win this game. Yeah. I agree. I also think we add to your keys to victory. I didn't know if you had any more or not. You wanted to add. No, 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 no. Those are my three. That's all I had. I want to add to this. I want Lamar to pick a spot and want him to have a great game, but I think we just need to run the dang ball. Dude, run the dang ball. I agree. Kill some clock. Bully them. Show them who you are. Show them what Baltimore feels like and like run this ball, kill some clock and keep Burrow off the field. Even if you just run, even if it's like a, you know, a eight minute drive, like even if it's three when we're up, like maybe 10 or so. That still keeps them off the field, keeps them out of the rhythm. You got to keep them out of the rhythm. Got to keep them off the field. Run the ball. Even if this is – I don't care if this is the yes. ugliest game yes. in the world. 
I, I don't. I simply don't. I don't care about entertainment at this point. I want to beat this team so bad. I want to take their souls. Look, I, like, I, I will gladly, I will gladly walk home with a smile on my face after a nine to six win. I don't care how ugly it is. Nine to six, even if it's. I think, I think seventeen, I think seventeen, ten, seventeen, fourteen, be more realistic. But yeah, sure. get, muck it up, run this ball, and like, just look, bully them. Look, you you hit you hit the nail on the head. Joe Burrow cannot score points if he's not on the field. Keep exactly. him off the field. 100%. Minimize mistakes too. Minimize turnovers and minimize mistakes, especially in the and penalties game. and penalties. Penalties yeah. were, were a big were a big talking point after last year, or excuse me, yeah. last week. I think we had like thirteen for a hundred and something yards, something like that. It, we can't do it. That was again. rough. You know, can't do that. Not. So yeah, we'll see what happens though. We'll see what happens. It should be a great game by all accounts. Um, I think it's good that we're catching them early in the season because. Like I said it last week, Cincinnati has a tendency to start slow. Yep. So if we're catching them in Cincinnati, albeit injuries and everything else considered, if we play the right game, go in with the right game plan, I think we got a good shot of walking out of here with a win. I agree. I agree 100%. All right, Josh, before we get out of here, that's our week two preview for the Ravens. Let's talk some college football week three before we go ahead and get out. Yeah, this late's not looking too great, but I think I gave you some great games to watch last week. Um, you did. Just keep watching Colorado. It's all happening. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they were they were my biggest game circled this week. Colorado and Colorado State. Yeah, I I don't expect that would be close. Honestly, um, I don't either. I don't either. I'm gonna get there though. I'm gonna get there. Uh, first game's actually on a Friday. Take a break from watching the Orioles game and flip, switch back and forth. Um, like that one Ray Allen tweet and uh, <laughs> watch uh watch Maryland Virginia on Friday. Yes. Will this game be good? Absolutely not. <laughs> if you want to see Maryland score a lot of points against a very bad Virginia team, you can do so. Um, I'm going to be nice to Virginia. So, hey, hey like, correct me if I'm wrong. Cor- correct me if I'm wrong. This is the uh, this is the unveiling of the black Maryland script uniforms, correct? Yes. They are re-unveiling the, black, the new version of the black Maryland script uniforms. It's going to look sick. It's going to be a blackout in College Park. I, I highly thought about going for this game. I really – I kind of still want to in a way. Um but Maryland should win this game handedly. Um, say something nice about Virginia. I like my friends that work there. Um, they are very happy to be on the field after what happened last year, I think. Um, I think that's just a moral victory in of itself with the tragedy they went through last year. And um, sure. However, that's, that's not a good football team. <laughs> um, <laughs> they are going through some growing pains. I think when they get the right recruits in and everything, they'll be good in the future because that is a – Charlottesville is objectively speaking a very nice town. Um, mm-hmm. Their fan base does care. They just need to see something from it, and I think they just need to get through some growing pains as a just a uh, um, department and stuff as a whole. But yeah, watch that game if you want to see Maryland score a lot of points. Um, shameless plug: Liberty plays at twelve noon on Saturday on CBS Network. Uh, oh yeah, Network. roll flames, roll flames, baby. Um, they play at Buffalo. I mean, hopefully the Flames win. They looked pretty good last night. If you want to see an interesting offense, definitely watch our offense. We went like a triple pass option thing. Um, and we have a decent quarterback right now. And I think you're going to – I think it's a fun game to watch just to kind of see a different style of football. Okay. Um, LSU-Mississippi State should be interesting to see. Another 12 o'clock noon yep. game. Um, I think LSU wins that one. Um, but Mississippi State is our, is a really tough place to play. Um, doing a quick sketch. Now the other games mm-hmm. really look good. Oh, this is an interesting one. Minnesota at North Carolina. Um, yep. I think Minnesota's a decent Big Ten team. I think they could contend for the West. I think North Carolina's a top three ACC team, and I'm curious to see what Drake May does against the Big Ten defense. Mm-hmm. Um, games in Chapel Hill, uh, I think North Carolina may be favored. 
So, um, yeah, should be a good game to watch for three o'clock slate. Anything else in that three o'clock slate? Not really. Um, Washington at Michigan State. I would normally would say that'd be an interesting game, but there's a lot of controversy right now going on with Michigan State, so I don't know if they're fully focused on the game right now. Right. Oh, Tennessee at Florida, another great SEC yes. matchup. Um, yep. A lot of people in Florida are not too happy with uh, Billy Napier right now. Uh, <laughs> I can't um, imagine why. <laughs> it's weird. And some Florida fans are like, well, he's a good culture hire. He can clean up some of the culture. Other guys are like, this dude sucks. Get him out of here. Um, Tennessee is a very good football team. I think that's a good SEC matchup. Definitely something to look out for. Um, and any other games? Oh, backyard brawl. That's going to be fun. You just want to watch two teams who hate each other. Backyard Backyard Brawl is always such a great game, man. Regardless of how bad both teams might be, I, I was looking around earlier today. That was definitely one that I had circled. It's going to be so fun. It's probably going to be terrible. I don't know how many points are going to be scored, but I can't imagine there's going to be a lot. It's it, oh. the Backyard Brawl is one of the it's one of like the most endearing college football games that happens every year. Just because, it, like in its in its essence, that's that's the heart of college football. That's what it's all about. And the crazy thing is, it doesn't happen every year anymore. It should happen way more than it does. This They brought it back after. Um, oh, you're right. You're right. Pitt, Pitt moved to the ACC, and I think uh, West Virginia went to the Big 12. So right. that's a fun, fun matchup. Um, and for people who are very similar, those two schools do not like each other. Pittsburgh no, and West Virginia are, are, they're basically the same thing in my eyes. I know a lot of more uh, Mountaineer fans, and they do not like Pitt, which is always something I can get behind a little bit. Um, so that should be a really fun game to watch. And obviously the um, Colorado State-Colorado game. Um, yep. Dion <laughs> must-watch football. That's it. Death taxes Dion Sanders. Yeah, just must-watch football, Colorado. Like, just – Schedule some time. Watch. It's a 10 o'clock game. Watch it while you go to sleep or whatever you need to do. If you're out, just have it on at a bar or something like that. That's going to be a really fun game to watch, and I'm excited for it. But I'm excited for college football this week. Um, this week's slate's kind of rough. Mm-hmm. Next week's slate, it gets intense. Yes. Um, just enjoy it. We're going to have some fun. We're going to enjoy it. There's going to be a lot of good football games to watch for sure. For sure. So a couple games that you mentioned are also games that I had circled. Obviously, the Maryland and UVA game. I'm going to yep. try and have it on, on either on my computer or on another monitor as I'm watching the Orioles game. Yeah, makes but sense. Regardless, I think Maryland's going to put up maybe 75 points in that game. It should be fun. Um, I also have the North Carolina-Minnesota uh, game circled. North Carolina, I think, is really good, but you bring up a good point about a Big Ten defense. I think if anybody could maybe play spoiler, not necessarily win, but go the distance with North Carolina, I think Minnesota is one of those teams. Mm-hmm. Um I I still I still think North Carolina pulls it out, but I like it to be close. Um, Tennessee, Florida, Tennessee is going into Florida as a six and a half point favorite. I think that mm-hmm. game has all the makings of it's either going to be like an all time classic or Tennessee is just going to absolutely roll Florida. Yep. Um, you mentioned Colorado, Colorado State, Dion Big. I mean, prime time and prime time. What else is there to say? Yeah. Uh, and then last one, like you, I'll drop a shameless plug for my Irish. They yep. Notre, Dame, Notre Dame is a 34 and a half point favorite against Central Michigan. Yikes. I like the Irish. I like the Irish. Yikes. That's a lot. <laughs> that's yikes. I will say, um, though, after a, a couple couple's tough games, as far as opponents playing the Irish over the last couple weeks, I believe Notre Dame has Ohio State next week. So that should at least be a fun. They game. do. It, it will. That's going to be a tune up for next week for sure. Um, one game I did almost miss, but I'm happy I saw it. South Carolina at Georgia. Yes. George is the best team in the world right now. Yeah, for sure. 
I would not be surprised if South Carolina makes it close, if not wins that game. They've won in Athens within the last four years. Um, they're a South Carolina's a fun team to watch, and I respect their fan base so so much. Like their their fans are amazing, and I want them to do well. And I think this is a good matchup for them versus Georgia. We'll see what happens. I'm not gonna say Georgia's gonna lose because I just I just I it's hard for me to say that Georgia will lose a football game. Like it's hard for me to say Georgia will lose a football game. I, but I, I think South Carolina can compete. With Right. I, I agree. I think I think it'll be I think it'll be closer than people might expect. I that was definitely one game that I was like, oh, that's an interesting one. Yep. So we'll see what happens though, for sure. Hell yeah. All right. That's college's football uh week three. That puts a bow on episode 70. Josh, uh, like I said at the top, I can't thank you enough for joining me, bro. It's always a pleasure talking sports with you. Um and uh I'm I'm all out of words, man. I'll uh let's let's hope our, our Ravens get a dub this week. Let's hope the Orioles can at least win two of their uh, weekend series with the Rays. And uh, we'll talk up, talk about it all next week, bro. Yeah. Last thing I'll say is remember the number two, four, two, four. If we hold them to 24 points, Ravens win the game. We win two out of four. It's a good series for the O's. Thank you for having me, Dante. I really appreciate it. Always love joining you guys. Well said, Josh, uh, everybody, if you're listening, uh, if you're going to be at the game Friday or Saturday or Thursday or Sunday, for that matter, enjoy yourself, cheer on the birds, have fun uh, for anybody, our listeners in or around the Cincinnati area that might be going to the game on sunday give them hell um and that's about all i got everybody have a great weekend a lot of louisville people should be at the game so we should be here a lot of ravens fans and lamar fans at the game sunday hell yeah hell yeah there we go all right everybody have a great weekend be safe and always keep going thanks all right as always thank you to josh smith my guy for joining me for another week of just talking baltimore sports super thankful for him for jumping on giving us some of his time and just chopping it up shooting the shit while scott's away doing adult things uh, obviously, as we all know, Josh can't gamble being an employee of a NCAA football team. Uh, no sweat. I'm still going to give you guys my picks as we know. It's NFL week two. I have some best bets for everybody. I've crunched the numbers. I've looked at the board each way, up and down, backwards, sideways, and corkscrew. These are my best plays for NFL week two. Last week on the pod, I gave you guys out a couple picks. Went four and three. Not bad. Not a bad start to the season, although we want to do better. So now here we go. My NFL week two best bets. My first best bet of the week. I really, really love this one. Might come back to bite me in the ass, but nevertheless, I love this pick. I'm going to go with the under in the Thursday night game, Minnesota and Philly under 49 and a half. Um, I think Philly's defense, Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis. I think that defense, especially that front versus Minnesota up front, the run game, Christian Derrissaw has been hurt. Um, I just, I think this is just a wild mismatch of biblical proportions for the Eagles. Um, I also don't like last week, Alexander Madison didn't really run the ball all that well. Granted, Kirk threw the ball something like 44 or 45 times. Um, I just, I don't, I don't see how Philly's defensive front doesn't have an edge here. Um, now I know Bradbury is out for the, for the, for the Eagles. I know Nicobe Dean's out for the Eagles. Um, however, I still like Philly's front up against Minnesota. Also, even with Bradbury out, Darius Slay, I I'll take him. Any day of the week. I think he's incredible. He had a pick six last week. I like their secondary versus Kirko. And then all end all be all for this game, really, for me. Minnesota only scored 17 against Tampa Bay. They couldn't run the ball. Uh, like I said, Kirk threw the ball like 40 something times. Justin Jefferson obviously eight. But Tampa Bay is not that good. Their defense is not that good. And they lost on top of only scoring 17. Um, I don't know if I want to necessarily lay the seven and a half or whatever it is with the Eagles. Uh, but I think the under here is the play. I just think this number is too high. I think this could 
come close to the number. Um, but overall, short week early on in the year, Philly's offense didn't really look that great. Uh, I like the under 49 and a half in the Thursday night game. My second game here. I don't love that I'm taking a couple road favorites, but I'm going to do it. I'm taking the Packers money line at Atlanta. I think last time I checked, they were one and a half point favorite. Uh, last week against the Bears, Justin Fields was the leading rusher. He went nine for 59, and nobody else really did anything. Next person behind Justin Fields was Khalil Herbert, nine for 27. The Packers offense looked cohesive, uh, which I think is big for Jordan Love. Uh, obviously, he missed some throws here and there, could have made some better plays in certain situations. But overall, I think the Atlanta Falcons, I don't think they looked as good as I was expecting them to look against uh, Carolina. Uh, Bryce Young gave him two picks, which really sealed the deal for them. I like the Packers money line. I think I, I saw it earlier at like minus 120. If you can jump on that, I'd lay it. Honestly, I'd lay it to two. Um, but just jump on the money line, say fuck the points, and uh, and roll with the Packers here. My next pick, another road favorite. I don't love that I'm doing that, but I'm going to do it. Chargers minus three at Tennessee. The Titans look like ass last week in New Orleans. Just flat out. They look like ass. Ryan Tannehill is not good. And thankfully for me, I've been on this. Uh, I've been standing on this take for a few years now. He's he's not good. He's a bum. He's ass. He doesn't belong as a starter in the league anymore. That's just my opinion. Um, I think the Chargers, their defense gave up some, not necessarily points where they shouldn't have, uh, but J.C. Jackson has that stupid pass interference at the end of the first half. They don't double Tyree Kill at all, which Brandon Staley, what the fuck are you doing? I think they get that figured out, plus... DeAndre Hopkins hurt this week. Nobody on that Tennessee offense is nearly as good as Tyree Kill or Jalen Waddle, for that matter, with the exception of maybe a fully healthy DeAndre Hopkins. Um, so I'll lay the points with the three, or excuse me, I'll lay the three with the Chargers on the road at the Titans this week. Um, another play that I like in this game, I don't know that I'll necessarily take it, but another one that I like here, Chargers team total over 23 and a half. The Saints offense, I just don't believe is all that good. Obviously, Chris Olave is a stud. Um, but they've just, I don't know. I, that, that game felt a lot closer than it probably should have been. Granted, I didn't watch every snap, um, but I think the Chargers offense is just that much better than really both of those teams. Um, but one that I like to look at right there is Chargers team total over 23 and a half. My last pick of the week, I'm sure I'll have more and I'll have the intern put them out on Sunday morning. Uh, make sure to be following the socials on Sunday for all my official picks. My last pick that I got for you here on the episode, road favorite. I hate that I'm doing it. Well, to be fair, this one's kind of swinging back and forth. Colts money line at the Texans. The Colts just, they, they hung with the Jags last week. And honestly, if it wasn't for Anthony Richardson getting hurt late in the fourth quarter and Gardner Minshew having to come on for that fourth and goal, they probably cover against the Jags, uh, which would have really fucked my day up. But as, as much shit, not necessarily shit, but as much crow that I'm probably going to have to end up eating on Anthony Richardson and for what I've said in the offseason leading up to this point, he looked good. I think he looked by far the best out of any rookie quarterback this year, um, or last week, I should say. And the fact that they're only laying one point right now, or maybe at some books, if you can get them plus one, go ahead and take them. Um, I I think this is a this is a really good play. I think Houston didn't really look all that great, especially in some spots where they probably should have scored or looked better against the Ravens last week. Um, plus, I think Indianapolis's defense is better than people are giving them credit for. Um, so I like the Colts as a short favorite here in Houston. And like I said, I, I would lay it uh, if it's anything less than two and a half. I'd lay it two or less. Uh, but I'm going to probably just take the money line with the Colts here. 
Uh, all right. Those are my picks. Like I said, follow the socials on Sunday morning. I'll have the intern put out all of my picks for the week. Uh, as I said last week, and I'll continue to say, please bet responsibly. Um, have some fun. If you have some picks that you like and you want to share them with us, let us know. And uh, we'll take a look. I'll repost them on uh, my Twitter. I'll have the intern repost them on uh, the Twitter and Instagram of the pod. And um, best of luck to everybody. Have a great weekend. Peace.